like I mentioned this morning, I, I really I've had these words going around in my heart for the last few weeks, really. And these words are preparation, visitation, saturation, and habitation. And the way it came to me was that a preparation brings preparation brings a visitation. A visitation produces a saturation. And a saturation creates a habitation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's what we are going to be doing. We're going to be talking about preparing, preparing for a visitation. And I know, you know, technically, and I know that spiritually that Jesus lives on the inside of us and we are the temple of the living God. I realize that. I know that his presence is here because wherever we're at, his presence is with us, on us and in us. But I also know if you look into the word of God, that there are seasons and there are times of special visitations. And I really believe that we are just right there for the body of Christ and for the world, really. And so I just want to say that again. A preparation brings a visitation. And a visitation produces a saturation. And a saturation creates a habitation. Some of the definitions of saturation are to be immersed to be soaked. And that's what I see coming. Hallelujah. Have you ever been in a rainstorm? We sang about it. Lord sent the rain tonight. But have you ever been in a rainstorm in the natural? And maybe you didn't have your umbrella. And all of a sudden this rain just hit, hit. And you were drenched. You were saturated. You were soaked. And that's what I'm seeing for the body of Christ. That there is a visitation of the spirit of the living God. Where we are going to be soaked. And we are going to be saturated with the power of the living God. I agree with that song. Lord, send the rain. Amen. Hallelujah. So in this time of preparing for that visitation, which produces a saturation, I just want to talk a little bit, first of all, about preparation. The word prepare means to make or get ready for some purpose, task, or event. Let's say that you have a a special guest coming And you know, if you honor that guest, you might clean your house. That'd be a good thing to do. You might paint it, get new furniture. You might shop. You might cook. You can tell. And that Nicolopolis has said amen over there. You can tell when a person is prepared and when they are anticipating a special guest coming, they're going to put their best foot forward. Let's say that somebody invited you to their Thanksgiving meal and you had heard about this Thanksgiving meal. I haven't cooked Thanksgiving for a couple of years, but when I used to do Thanksgiving meals, <laughs> they were legendary. I'll just tell you right now that they were good. I don't want to, I don't want to go through the list because we don't want to stay in the spirit. We don't want to get hungry. But let's say I said, okay, this year I'm going to cook my wonderful Thanksgiving meal for for let's say Pastor Tom and Kimberly, and they're going to come over. Yeah, 
and he would be Johnny on the spot. So he's eaten some of my food before. But can you imagine if they showed up at my house and I didn't talking about talking up this Thanksgiving meal and they showed up and I'm in the kitchen and they hear all this rattling and this noise. And in a little bit, I come out of the kitchen with paper plates containing a bologna sandwich. I know Pastor Tom's face would express his disappointment. And it should, he should be disappointed because I'm talking about all these wonderful things I'm going to do. And all of a sudden I come out with bologna sandwiches on a flimsy paper plate for Thanksgiving. That ain't right. Just ain't right. But when we honor someone, when we value them, we are going to make preparation for them, for what is coming. So let me just ask you this. Do you value Jesus? Are you excited, not just about him returning for us and catching his bride away? That's something to be excited about, the rapture of the church. But we should be excited about this time and this day in which we live. We don't have to look longingly back through the history and what God did in the past. He is a God of progression and he has saved the best for last. We are not going to go out of here beat up and beat down and hiding in caves and eating tribulation food. No, we're going to go out of here, the glorious church. But before he catches us away and he catches us up into glory, he's going to manifest his glory here. Here and now. That's what we're preparing for. That's what we are expecting. And when God is getting ready to do something in the earth, he has always had a person or a group of people that would be his voice. That would be his mouthpiece. That would declare what he is about to do. And that's what I see happening right now. We can look, for instance, at John the Baptist, at his life. If you want to look in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. John the Baptist was known as the forerunner of Christ. He was Jesus' first cousin. And his anointing and his calling was to prepare the way of the Lord. In verse 1, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his past straight. So John was a prophetic voice and he had a major role in preparing the way for Jesus to come in his first coming. We, the church, we're alive right now and we need to use our faith. We need to make some declarations. We need to lift up our voice in prayer and in praise and prepare his entrance. 
The king is coming. And again, I'm not just talking about the rapture. Before he comes in the rapture, the king is coming. He is coming to visit his church. He is coming to pour out his power. He is coming to display signs, wonders, and miracles. And we ought to be boldly declaring it. Pastor Mark and I, we came up under, several others in here, came up under Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, our spiritual father. And one of the callings and the anointing upon his life was to prepare the way of the Lord. When God appeared to his mother before he was born, and you know his story, many of you do, how he was born very prematurely, had all these heart conditions and health issues. But God, when God appeared to his mother, she actually told him, told God actually told her to name him John. But she didn't, you know, but that is, he had that call upon him. Like John the Baptist, prepare the church for the coming of the Lord. And I can say, Pastor Mark and I, it is in our spiritual DNA to declare, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready for the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Get ready for the best days that the church has ever known. Arise, O church, for the glory of the Lord is come. Hallelujah. It's time to be the church. It's time to expect him to pour out his spirit like we have not seen in our lifetime. Hallelujah. So John had this voice and he was actually prophesying what the prophet Isaiah had said. Isaiah chapter 40. This was a prophecy concerning John the Baptist and what the church is called to do in the last days. Verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Didn't we just read that? Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. And the rough places smooth. This is such a powerful passage. I often use it in prayer because it's a good thing to pray. But what it is telling us here, in ancient times when a king wanted to visit a certain place, he wanted to go out into his kingdom, and perhaps there wasn't a road made there yet, he would make this decree, I'm going to go visit Castor Valley. And so they had to get busy. Getting that road ready. Making a road so he could go there. And I like how it says this. A highway. And a highway literally means a highway. A raised up way. So these workers would go out before the king was to visit that place. They'd raise up the low places. They'd fill in the bumps and the holes. They'd make crooked ways straight. 
Just a side thought here. The anointing and the glory of God will even make crooks straight. Hallelujah. So if you know any crooks, just pray that the anointing of God will come on them and straighten them up. Make them live the straight, narrow way. Amen. But it says highway. Why does it use the word highway? So the king could get there faster and have a smoother ride and easy access. That's what we as Jesus people, as Christians, that's what we are called to do. We are God's road construction crew. If I would have had a construction hat, I would have worn it tonight. Because we're on the construction team. We're filling in the bumps and the holes. We're making the crooked way straight. So Jesus, when he comes, and you know, you know, I'm using that term, but you all know. Don't anybody correct me. I know he's here. I know he lives in us. But I am talking about special Visitations, Y'all got that right? So when he comes, when he wants to visit us in a special way, we got a part to play. We get to prepare the highway for our God. Well, how do we do that? Corporate prayer and faith creates a highway for him to come in. I was thinking about a highway versus a trail or a bumpy Country road, you know, a country road, country road, take me home to the place. Anyway, (laughs) no, you don't know that. (laughs) West Virginia, I'd have to say Oklahoma. Anyway, country roads, bumpy roads. Ingrid, you know it. You're from my first. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Come up and sing. Country roads are different than highways. You can ask Pastor Mark, before we were married, and I've taken him down to the farm, out into the city boy, out into the country. He'd say, you want me to drive? I'd say, no, I better drive. And we'd be on the highway for a little while, but then we'd cut off on that one road. And he's like, whoa, because there's potholes in country roads and in gravel roads and in dirt roads. And, you know, you're not really expecting anybody to come. So if there's a pothole, you just go over on the other side of the road. And he's sitting over there going, whoa, this is like an obstacle course. But you have to have skills to drive on bumpy country roads. But you know what? I had him. A bumpy, overgrown road. You do have to go slower, or you should go slower. And usually, it means you need a different kind of a vehicle that, you know, you can't even, that doesn't go very fast. Some roads are so bad out in the country, you gotta have a tractor. You gotta have a Jeep. You gotta have a four wheeler to get there. But a highway gets you there faster. And a highway is meant to facilitate fast moving cars. Hallelujah. And vehicles. So we're not building a bumpy country road for Jesus to come. We're making a highway, an expressway, a smooth entrance for him. And when we prepare and we do our part, we give him access. This is what he does. Verse five of that same passage out of the Amplified. And the glory majesty and splendor of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh 
shall see it together. Who's declaring this? Read that last part with me. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. He has spoken what he wants to do. He has spoken. His heart is desire is that his glory, his majesty, his splendor would be revealed to such a degree. All flesh would see it. Hallelujah. The manifest presence of God. So tangible on our individual lives. So resident in our churches. That it is revealed to people all around. They know God is here. They know we have created a place where God comes and manifests himself. And even though people may not believe, they don't think they believe what we're preaching right now. I guarantee you, if they hit a crisis, if they get a terminal diagnosis, and it is known abroad that God manifests himself at heart of the bay, that's a dwelling place for God. People walk in there sick. And they leave healed. People walk in there broken. And they leave whole. They're going to come. They're going to come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I'm all for marketing. I'm all for getting the word out there about our church. But there's no greater advertisement than signs, wonders, miracles, deliverance. Hallelujah. That's what it's about. We here at Heart of the Bay, we are declaring, oh, you are welcome here. Manifest yourself in this place. We are preparing for a great visitation. And visitation means this, a special dispensation of divine favor. A special dispensation of divine favor. When I read that, when I think about that, I just think about God showing up. The Bible says that the righteous are encompassed about with favor. So if we're encompassed about with God, he's on us. He's in us. He's manifesting through us. Glory to God. Changes us, but it also changes other people. We may not be sure exactly what his visitation may look like. But we can study the word of God. And we can see that when God shows up, he doesn't do anything in a small way. He gives signs and evidence that say, I am here. These people are marked by me. Hallelujah. I belong to them. They belong to me. Evidence. Glory to God. And you just think about it. Um, There's certain times. Brother Hagin said this. When certain aspects of Christianity needed to be emphasized more. Because if they weren't emphasized, the church 
was going to lose them. The, but the Lord gave him that word that at the end of World War II, there was going to be a, a divine healing revival that came. And he said before that divine healing revival, it was very seldom that anybody was getting healed in any churches. It was very seldom that anybody was even preaching on healing. So, so for the, the sake of it not being lost, there was a visitation of divine healing that flowed over this nation. I hear people say that there were folks that they weren't even sure if they believed in divine healing that would get up and and preach and then they'd say, well, if you want to be healed, he said it was like it was in the air. They'd lay hands on people and blind eyes open, just divine, miraculous things happening. God visited our nation with a healing revival because it was about to be lost to the church. And then there came the charismatic renewal in the 1950s, late 50s, 1960s. How many of you came in during the charismatic renewal or got filled with the Holy Ghost? Some of you probably did. I see some hands. And why was that emphasized? Because the churches that were preaching it, like the little church I grew up in, were little churches. And it wasn't impacting and infecting the entire body of Christ. And so God said, there's going to be a visitation of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. There's going to be a sweep. Hallelujah. And I'm going to bring people in to this wonderful experience from every walk of life, from every denomination. Hallelujah. And then, you know, I think about it. I've been alive for all four of these meetings, these outpourings right at the end of the healing revival was born 1947 to 1958. I was four, but hey, I was here. The charismatic renewal. And then we were so privileged to be a part of that teaching revival. Where the word of God, it was just like people that used to just preach like a house of fire. All of a sudden, a teaching anointing was coming on on the ministers. Why? Because the people of God were hooping and shouting and hollering and sweating and all sorts of stuff, but they didn't have the knowledge of why they were hooping and shouting. You know, I was in a lot of those Sunday night services. We'd run around the church and hoop and holler, and I liked to hoop and holler and shout with the best of them. But when the word came, then it was like, oh... I know what I'm shouting about now. There was an emphasis on teaching of the word. Why? Because God's people were being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We have to have the word. We have to have the spirit. All word and people dry up. All spirit and they blow up and go up up somewhere on another planet or whatever. It's the word and the spirit. So we had that wonderful emphasis and visitation of the teaching anointing. And then some of you were part of this. God told Brother Hagin that he needed to hold Holy Ghost Meetings. Anybody were in any of those Holy Ghost meetings? We had several here in our church. 
Holy Ghost meetings. And the way the Lord said it to them, him was if you don't let people and the younger generation understand the moving of the Spirit, it will be lost to this next generation. So you see, we had the Word. And then He came right along and He said, now you got to have the Holy Spirit. Another glorious visitation. So what kind of visitation are we going to have now? You know, I don't really know. But I do believe this because I've heard men and women of God say it. This last great visitation is going to contain elements of every past move of God combined. Woo! Hallelujah! That means we're going to have healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. We're going to have an influx of people getting born again and getting filled with the Holy Ghost like in the charismatic renewal. We're going to have strong teaching of the Word of God that causes the captives to be set free. And we are going to have Holy Ghost outpourings with miracles. Can you agree with that? When God visits us or a group of people, it will be evident. And we need to let our light shine so that all men may see God. I saw this scripture just today and it just spoke to me. It's in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 12 and I want to read it out of the Passion Translation. Live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers. Hmm. Even though they accuse you of being evildoers, for they will see your beautiful works and have a reason to glorify God in the day He visits us. I see that so powerful. We're not trying to blend in with the world. He says live honorable honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers. We're, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Of course, we're still going to be here. We work with people, or I don't. Hopefully, everybody on our staff is born again, but some of you <laughs> may work with people that are unbelievers. But I have contact with people that don't know the Lord, just like you do. And what some people, you know, they're going to accuse the church. They are accusing the church of, of being haters, and you're, you're non-inclusive, and you know, We don't want to get in to all of that stuff and all of that garbage. But if we will live honorable lives before them and give God glory and praise. What I see in this scripture, the time will come that they will be visited by God. And they will know that he is real. How are they going to know? And how are they going to have reason to glorify God? Mostly by looking at our lives. Amen. Amen. We're going to bring Him glory. Hallelujah. And we are going to know when our time of visitation is. We're not going to know everything about it. But we're just going to, as a church, and I already have that sense, and I know Pastor does too, that sense that something's coming. Something's coming. Breakthroughs happening. Something's coming. Glory to God divine. Supernatural help is coming. Hallelujah. And this is not, we're not going to be 
like these people were in Luke chapter 19. We'll look over there, verse 41 through 44. Now as he drew near, this is Jesus looking at Jerusalem. He saw the city and he wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this day, the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, They'll surround you and close you in on every side. And they'll level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in one one stone upon another. And why is that going to happen? Because you did not know the time of your visitation. There are so many people, unfortunately, in the body of Christ that are just wrapped up in their little world, wrapped up in their lives and making money and providing for their family. And these things are not bad. But if we will pray in the Holy Ghost as believers, it's not just all about pastors and ministers, but if we as believers will pray in the Holy Ghost, we'll get in tune with what he is wanting to do in the earth Today, we are not going to be like these people. They were so unaware of who Jesus was. They missed their opportunity to recognize him as the true Lord and the true Savior. He wept over Jerusalem. He wasn't happy about it. He loved Jerusalem. He loved these people. And he wanted them to see him as the true living Son of God. But they just were blinded. They were just unaware. But folks, we are king spiritually here. I'm saying that if I'm saying it by faith. We are king spiritually. We're awake. We're alert. We're in tune with what he wants to do in the earth. We know the times and the seasons in which we are living. We are like the children of Issachar. In First Chronicles chapter 12, it talks about them. Of the sons of Issachar, and I like this phrase, they had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. To know what we ought to do. We are not dumb and dumber. We are not dull and dullard. We are alert spiritually. We have understanding of the times. We are not going to miss our day of visitation. And we are going to be aware, hallelujah, and know what we ought to do. Some of you are seeking God right now. I don't know what it's about. Maybe about a career, a relationship. But you can declare this over yourself. I have understanding of the times. I'm led by the Spirit. I know what I ought to do. The voice of a stranger. I will not follow. I will not miss it. I will not miss my day of visitation. I will not miss the leading of the Lord. I will not miss my divine appointments that he has set up for me. Those are good things to declare. And you ought to be speaking it over your life on a regular basis. We must be in tune with what God is doing 
in our individual lives. What he's doing in our local church. What he's doing throughout the earth. Because it all fits together. We are the body of Christ. And every one of us have a part. Every one of us have a place. Every one of us have a role to play. And what he wants to do in this last day. You know what he's looking for? He's looking for volunteers in the day of his power. How many volunteers do we have in here? Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll make myself available to pray and to declare what needs to be spoken out. Hallelujah. You know, that's enough for tonight. That's, that's enough. Hallelujah. So this is a mekarita mareste bogrinta. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we can prepare the way. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. We can wait in your wonderful presence. And as as we wait upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Just honoring Him. Just just lifting our hands and lifting our voice in His presence. It changes the atmosphere. You all are the Sunday night crew. You're the serious ones. And you know, not that those on Sunday morning aren't. I understand that. But there are people that come on Sunday morning... That they're not risibugurita. They're not really aware of the presence of the Lord. And so many that are idivirimoshubrite. They're even, they're babies spiritually. And they don't really understand how to connect with the power of God. And how to have that expectancy. That expectancy that is needed to idimasatarata. To cause the ministers to have that divine utterance. And to have that anointing upon the worship and every part of the service. So those that do know how to lift their voice in prayer. Those that do know how to use their faith. Should be the ones that prepare the atmosphere. The atmosphere, the atmosphere charged with expectancy, the atmosphere. Let's all stand.